Welcome to RLF Radio, the only show that helps young baseball players and their parents prepare for high school athletics and beyond. Brought to you by the Ryan Lemon Foundation, with your host, Dick Owens, Guy Lemon. Hey, welcome everybody. This is Guy Lemon, and my co-host is Dick Owens. Dick. I'm right here. I'm here tonight. I'm we ready. Are, we are, as it said, we are the two key guys from RLF Radio, and we are uh, very fortunate tonight to have what what I think is uh, perhaps a first in radio and TV broadcasting, if not a first, at least something very unusual. We've got an in-depth uh, interview with a very knowledgeable umpire. You know, as I watch sports. I don't know that I've ever seen, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, hockey, or anything else at ESPN, NBC, or anywhere else, players get interviewed, coaches get interviewed, agents get interviewed, but for some reason, they uh, never seem to interview the umpires. They don't want to know the decisions, that's why. They don't want to know what's going on. <laughs> so, tonight, we have a young man who's not all that young, but not all that old, uh, Gary Gilman. Gary, thank you for being here. Guys, Guy and uh, Dick, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's truly an honor. I would speculate that no one or very few people know who Gary is, but let me just give you a little bit of his uh, resume. It's pretty impressive as to his Southern California umpiring experience beyond being involved in uh, football, uh, both at the at the uh, Pop Warner level. And Gary, tell me the one thing. I thought it was kind of interesting. Just on the football side. They, I know they're very precise in evaluating football crews. You've had a pretty good rating. Tell me about the rating you had on the football side. I can be a rather subjective guy, but uh, according to the observation team and the Orange County Football Officials Association, my crew was rated uh, number one three times over the last previous six seasons. Um, and consistently and it, in the top five. And consistently in the top five, which... You know, it speaks well, really, for the guys around me. They make me look really good. That's well, fantastic with a guy with glasses, too. So that's <laughs> yeah, good. right. And not a big guy, either. So, I mean, no. anybody that, that saw Gary would know he's not going to be able to bump chest with uh, the middle linebacker and convince him of the flag. He, he has to just convince him by his uh, by his quality. I, I, I've learned over the years it's it's very wise to surround yourself with, uh, <laughs> with large individuals in my crew. Is a good size. We're here to talk about baseball, not not uh, not football. But it's a background, Gary. The other thing that I thought was most interesting is you've done a fair number of college games. How many college games do you guess you've umpired over the years? Oh, and certainly in excess of fifteen, sixteen hundred ball games. It's a lot, and I know Gary. You and I go back. We've known each other personally for over twenty years. Um, Gary was the past president, and many people that know Orange County. The top quality uh, summer league is Connie Mac. Gary was past president of the Orange County Connie Mac League for eleven years, so has devoted a lot of time at different levels. And right now is and has been for many years is on the board of the OCBOA, which those of you that probably don't know that either, that's the Orange County Baseball Officials Association. Tell us a little bit, Gary, about that association. How many people are in it? How how many other associations are there like it in the state? Yeah. And its primary function. Right. Guy, uh, the OCBOA uh, encompasses some 220 members, uh, and we assign or we're entrusted to uh, provide umpires for the approximately 85 baseball-playing schools in Orange County. Within the CIF Southern section, there are 14 other, there are 14 units just like the OCBOA, 
like Long Beach, Foothill Citrus, Inland Empire, um, that provide uh, umpires for the, for their member schools. And that I, is our, I would that's, guess that's the Orange our, County is yeah. is it the biggest of all of the associations? It in the state? is by far the largest, um, certainly in the southern section. The southern section, I know, is by far the biggest section within yes. CIF. Yeah, I can't speak for the north, but uh, certainly in the southern section, we are dealing with what, what about other states? They have uh, similar... Similar situations, sim- yeah, right? Sim- similar uh, organizations that uh, provide... Uh, uh, some are uh, assigned from a state coordinator right. uh, versus the localized associations like like we have here in the southern section. So I guess one thing, you know, people, I, I think the folks that are listening today are either baseball players or parents or coaches. And, you know, it's interesting, every game, uh, whether it's whatever sport it may be, competitors compete and there's somebody, I call it the interloper, that attempts to make sure the competitors play fairly, play by the rules. And baseball has its umpires, other sports have their referees. And, and the part that I thought was interesting as I thought about it Baseball is the only sport, at least that I can think of, where the interloper, the officiant, is involved in every single play. You think of a hockey game. Hockey could go on for 20 minutes, and if there are no penalties, they keep playing. Basketball, same thing. The players don't take it out, put it in, shoot, go until there's a foul. Even football, the officiator's only absolute responsibility is to place the football and to make sure the two guys are on the right side and then they call penalties other than that the guys play yeah they, but, bl- they blow a whistle but, <laughs> but they would stop the play so that's yeah, right i guess true. they stop the play right so guys don't get hurt and right. so, but but in baseball i mean again the ball nothing gets started until the umpire is ready and every time a ball is pitched everybody waits to find out what's out safe ball strike anyway just think well, that's an interesting yeah, I mean, and guy, and and really, any official in any sport, we we hope to be nothing more than independent arbiters for fair play. We don't want to see an advantage or a disadvantage created uh, for someone or against someone, and that's really our role to make sure the game is played fairly and and by the rules and some sometimes by the spirit of the rule. Well, and I know Gary's responsibility, and again, I I think this will relate. I hope that. People walk away from today's interview with a sense of the commitment, not only by Gary, but by all the folks who do it. Again, you said in the OCBOA there are 300 members? Uh, about 220. 220 members. Yeah. And that you assign your job this year as part of that association mm-hmm. is you assign every game. How many games do you end yeah. up trying to allocate employees to right. throughout the county? Well, How many games a year? Yeah, there's uh, during the CIF season, which started just a couple of days ago, I uh, started on Saturday, and it ends with the playoffs around the first of June, uh, in excess of three thousand games and in approximately forty five hundred assignments. So I guess on one point, if if anyone, and I say this somewhat jokingly, but um, it's amazing when you stop and think about it. I, I've rarely, I, I've never seen a high school game at any level that hasn't begun with an umpire that's there ahead of time or on time and when you stop and think about 3,000 different assignments some 4,500 different unique assignments 
That's a big deal, and, and kudos to you that you, you are there, because certainly, who wants to play a baseball game without a guy calling balls and strikes? Well, I think there are some coaches that would prefer to have their pitchers and catchers call the game uh, <laughs> rather than have us out there, but, you know, we're the necessary evil uh, some days. And, and how, do you, how do you do the assignment? How does that work? I mean, do you have a computer? You sit yeah, there and you go, it's, John, uh, you're going here, and Joe, you're going somewhere it, else? It, it's, it's, it's really become, uh, you have to be a little tech, technologically savvy uh, with the programming. But uh, in short order, we, we rank the schools and we rank the umpires. Right. So we look at the strength of the schools, the strength of the umpires, and try to match up the level, the rating for that umpire, for the rating for that team. And we want to see everybody be successful. We want to make sure, personally, I want to make sure that my umpires are successful when they step on the field, that they have every opportunity to call a game based on the level of their proficiency. And that normally... um, it matches the the level of the game, the two opponents. There's a trick to it, but you also have to um, match personalities. So if they're working with a partner, they 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 need to work with somebody that's uh, maybe like minded, and um, there's you have to know the personalities. There's no conflicts with these individuals. So then there's the availability. You know what kind of availability does does an individual have? Well, I'd imagine you don't want a guy living in Cerritos driving to south of San Clemente on a regular basis, so you got to think about geography as well. It's geography. It's uh, based on a, a work schedule. Uh, it's, it's I think that's what a lot of parents probably don't understand, and players and, and probably even some yeah. coaches don't understand, that sometimes it's just not easy to have a 315 game and get people there. I mean, yeah. it's got to be that, right that, for the umpires. I'd say, that's uh, Dick, that's probably our greatest challenge yeah. is finding qualified individuals that want to do this um, and have the wherewithal to do this and have the availability um, because this is you're not going to make a career out of working high school baseball Uh, this is a sidelight this is a a passion this is something that the individual does because they love the game they're not doing it for the certainly the very modest game fee they receive you don't have to interrupt on one thing because i just think that's a a big thing for uh for a lot of people to appreciate is that the guys that do it certainly they get paid to be there but nobody's making a career out of this it's a second income it's a third income and it really people need to appreciate i think that the guys that are there do it out of the passion and love for the game and and a desire to be a part of the game what, what what does it take to be an umpire? What, I mean, if I'm a guy and I want to I want to become mm-hmm. an umpire, I, I know that on an annual basis, I, do I just show up? If I ump last year, I get to do this year. Do I have to take training? What do I need to do? What, as a yeah. parent, how how do they know that a guy is competent? Right. Uh, the association, in fact, all 14 units within the California Baseball Umpires Association, the CBUA. They require each of their member units to certify their officials. And one of the things that they do for certification process, the, they, there's testing that is that is takes place. That individual must do minimum 16 hours of classroom training. And then there's field training and clinics that go on as well. 
Um, so it's kind of interesting. I know when I go to work, I get paid if I if I have to go get training and all that or redo things. I get paid to do that. Umpires in this case, that's just the the for the privilege of being an umpire. They do that on their own on their own time. There's no pay involved. It's on their dime, you know. And, and it's and, for the and, privilege and, of being absolutely. called an umpire. And 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 for the guys that really um, that want to take it to the next level, there's. Uh, a lot of off-season training that takes place, whether it be two, three-man clinics uh, that take place in the summer, fall, and the winter, uh, getting ready for the the following season. Because our our guys are motivated; they want to work the better ball. Um, we have guys that are just happy to come out and work games, and we need those guys. You know that brings up another one, and I it's one that uh, Dick and I are proud to say that we're a part of. You you and the OCBOA has mentioned that you are having a challenge getting new young umpires to be a part of it. And that, you know, it, if I'm a starting umpire at the high school level and want to be high school games, what what money do I have to outlay? And I'll get to the point of mm-hmm. where the foundation is involved. But if I'm a starting umpire and want to be a varsity guy, how much money do I have to spend to, to, in training and equipment and all that because I got to do you don't give me the equipment right I mean I'm as an umpire I got to pay for all that I go buy everything right yeah I, this it is definitely the most expensive uh, sport to get started in when it comes to officiating let's you can take it from head to toe from from hat mask chest protector shin guards other protective equipment shoes for both bases and plate pants shirts and so an expectation is if i'm an umpire i've got to be able to i can't just be a third base coach a third base umpire i've got to be a skill set to do the dish and everything else absolutely and 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 so the initial just outlay there is in excess of six seven hundred dollars that's a lot in addition in addition of course we have an association that has costs um there is training costs uh uh, instructional materials, insurance. Yeah, they're uh, independent contractors. They yeah. need, there's no work comp. There's 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 another hundred and fifty dollars. So, so it it takes quite a while, you know, for uh, an umpire to establish himself and to be able to get a return on that investment. And again, he's not doing it for the money. He's doing it, you know, because he loves the game. But you know, the economic realities are we're not able to today to attract the younger official. The way we used to. Well, that brings up two things: attracting the younger official. We at the foundation have committed to the Umpires Association and made a donation of uh, five thousand dollars, and we're trying to get others to provide money to create a fund. And you guys have done the same thing to create a fund to enable the first-year umpire to have effectively a scholarship. If somebody out there that wants to become an umpire wants to reach you to do that, how would they do that? Is that okay if we let out your uh, email address to reach out yeah. to you directly? Yeah, absolutely. What uh, is your email address? Yeah, it's Gary, G-A-R-Y, ump, as an umpire, N as a Nancy, ref, R-E-F. So Gary, ump, and ref at AOL. And is it all lowercase all the way through? It doesn't matter. Okay, so again, just for everybody, it's G-A-R-Y-U-M-P-N-R-E-F, Gary Umpenref, 
at AOL.com. If you have any questions, we've got more to talk about, but if you have any questions about rules or say, hey, wait, there was a call last night I didn't think was right, you know, you want to send him or and what we really hope is that anybody that wants a job as an umpire wants to become a high school or college umpire, you got to work your way up through the ranks. Pay? What's the difference? A high school varsity guy as opposed to a college guy? What's the three times uh, as much if you're umping, well, tum, it, umpire game? I mean, I know we don't want to get into the specifics, yeah. but does it is it four it, times as much college it, versus high school? It's, it, yeah, I, I mean, I personally, I work in four different uh, Division One conferences, the Big West, uh, West Coast, Mountain West, and the WAC. And their game fees are approximately three and a half, four times higher. And then there are other incentives that go along with that as well, with travel, per diem, it's mileage, etc. The high school umpire um, earns really, when, when you come down to it with all the training costs uh, and travel involved, it's, again, he's, this is not about the money. This It's a, it's a passion. And um, I think something that you mentioned earlier, this is a, a profession or a, a hobby where we don't really want the, all the acclaim. We, we want to go out there. We want to work our ball games. We want to do it competently. We want to make sure the teams are treated fairly. We want to get along. Uh, there's, there's, there's such a misconception that we're on the other side. You know, we're on the dark side. We, we want to partner with, with coaches and teams and players and, and make sure that, that, that everybody's having a great experience because the, the high school sporting scene is nothing more than a, uh, or nothing less than an extension of the classroom. And this is a training ground. It's a, it's it's training for the athlete. It's training for the coaches. It's training for the officials, and we all need to work together and make sure it's a great experience for everybody. I want, I want to go back to one thing you talked about getting more umpires and stuff. And, and one of the things that we had talked about previously was that there obviously there's not enough, and that's going to be a problem down the road, is it not? If people don't, we don't bring in more umpires. Games aren't going to be able to be played on Tuesdays and Fridays only, and and there's going to be Saturdays involved and and Monday games and that, right? I mean, at some point that's going to happen. Well, it's already ha- it's already happening. Our our numbers are down approximately 25 umpires from a year ago, wow. and uh, in the heyday when I started in 1991, I think I was assigned a total of seven high school games for the entire season. Just because uh, they, there were so many umpires, there were so many umpires. There we had 280 guys, you know, in the association. Uh, we and we haven't dropped schools. We've added schools in the last 25 years. So here's get to some fun questions. Um, you've done high school games. You've done college games. You're behind the plate. Do you hear the parents and the fans yelling at you? I mean, honestly, now be serious. Do you hear it? Sure, we do. Is it different at the high school as opposed to the college? I mean, the high school fields, you're, the, the fans are closer to the field. Do you get a different level I, of, of yeah. yelling I, I, fr- from high school versus college? Yeah, I, I think so, Guy. Um, Better? I, worse? I, different? I've, I've, it's different. Um, How? I, I've, I find that at the high school level, this is no knock, but I, I find parents and, and fans in general to be less educated in the game and how it's truly played. Uh, as you go up the food chain, they're a little bit more sophisticated. They they have a little bit better understanding of how the game is to be played. Um, Doesn't mean they're not going to yell. Eh? That they're they're still going <laughs> to yell, and 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 you know none of us like to be yelled at. 
But it's it's part of the game. It's it's different in baseball than it is in other sports because well, there's a lot of downtime and it's easy well, for, between sure, pitches. Sure, Par- you know, fans have got a lot of time to, to express their thoughts. But but even during the game, if you've got a coach that's hot on you for strike zone or for whatever that he's not liking that day, we don't have you know uh, an unsporting foul. We don't we don't have a te- yellow cards. A there's no technic- yellow cards. No yellow cards. No technical fouls that we can give them. Uh, we have a warning process and then an ejection. Nobody wants to go that route. What's what's the funniest thing you've heard from a parent? Tell me something. There's oh, got to be gosh. somebody that said something that you just kind of had to laugh to yourself or maybe even turn around and look at them. Well, <laughs> most of the things, Dick, I don't you think... You can't say on here. I really okay, I got it. I really can't repeat. So, And most of it, it can be rather vulgar. If it gets overly personal or if it becomes... Um, racial in nature for example that is absolutely not to be tolerated and um, you know nobody should, nobody needs to come to a game like that they have to realize that that the umpires they're going to go home and and they're going to take the game with them and and when they've had a bad day they know they've had a bad day right it's tough that way and i i tell all my guys you know you're you're the relief pitcher you're you know you're the mariana rivera he, he blows a save Hey, you got to say, Coach, give me the ball. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna jump back on. Uh, in our case, get behind the plate, call the next game because the the, the next most important time in a game is the next pitch. It's the next play, right? And and so we, we it's a mindset. How how often do you or have you seen other guys reverse a call? I mean, I always think of the time when an umpire makes a call. Somebody, the coach, somehow gets another umpire to get involved in it how frequently does it change and what causes a call to be changed because it does happen yeah there's there's a, a, f- a few uh reasons why we can change a call and there's there are times when we can't change a call but i think just to kind of to bring it all together the most important thing is to get the call right coaches understand that because if, if somebody is being egregious and we need to get together for whatever reason to to overturn a call. And in baseball, one of the most common things is the pulled foot or the swipe tag. If if a if a partner has um, information that could help the calling umpire improve his decision, uh, then by all means, you know, twenty thirty years ago, we lived with with our call. And today, with the advent of uh, technology. Um, you see lots of umpires on YouTube today, and it's it's not always very complimentary. Do, do you ever have a coach or a parent go, "I've got it on video. You missed it." That's, has that ever at the high school level? Uh, has it ever happened where it, somebody's looked at a video? It, it, it has happened. Yes, it has. Um, at the college level, uh, video uh, and replay is now a part of baseball. Wow! It's um, so it's we're not, an we're expense not, thing. We're not. Yeah, we're not really seeing it on the West Coast yet. But it is available. It was put into the rule book just this year for video replay. It's being used in Omaha at the, at the World Series. I, I know one thing. we got probably time for two more questions. One okay. is uh, I know we've had you, you have arranged, we have arranged with the foundation, meeting with coaches to try and inform them about new rules, rules of emphasis. There's one that I'm thinking of, new rules this year. The one that I think of that probably no one knows about is bench jockeying. Bench jockeying. Is there another rule? Is that because that one strikes me as the one that's going to surprise more people? Tell tell us what that is. And bench jockeying is is nothing more than than we're trying to stop unsporting behavior that goes on. It mostly goes on in the dugout, 
and it's orchestrated activity that reflects uh, negatively towards an opponent in an unsporting fashion. And, and this is a decision made by CIF, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. that CIF has decided that this is important and said to the umpires, here's the basis by which you need to rule on it, yeah. and they've tried to let it be known to coaches to yeah. try and minimize it's, it? Yeah, and it's it's more for preventative things because you don't want to, to, to build something to that's really nothing and to build into something, you know, the old... Uh, you know, mountain and molehill, right? And um, well, and the one I think of is that I know we saw it a lot in the College World Series in the college level. One guy will come out onto the field right before the start of the game and stare down an opponent on the other side. Well, yeah, you, yeah, and I it, think that's, that's a national national, national anthem, anthem standoff, right. uh, which you know that it it has happened at the high school level and it does. The coaches now understand this. Uh, so, what's the rule now? They must, uh, as soon as the anthem's over, they must uh, either go into the field of play if they're on defense or go right back to their dugout. And if they don't? If they don't, uh, if they don't, after a warning, immediate warning, they are ejected. The player? Yes. So, hey, Mom and Dad, don't have your little junior mm-hmm. think it's really cool to get caught in a, in a, in a uh, post-anthem stare down. That's yeah. for sure. The other question that I know is important, Gary, you're is a, as a dad, as a coach, and, and more importantly as an umpire, uh, a recommendation, a thought to a parent of a baseball player from your perspective, umpire. Any yeah, particular I mean, just, recommendation you would make? I, I, I would say just just keep in mind that that umpires are human. They're you know, as humans, we're gonna we're gonna err. We we make mistakes. Uh, understand that we don't do this for a living. We do this out of the passion, just just like the players have a passion for the game. The coaches love to coach. The players love to play. Parents love to watch their kids play, and we love to officiate good baseball. Don't take yourselves too seriously. So if I'm a batter at home plate and I think the call is a bad one, can I, as I, the batter, can I say anything, do anything? Is there any way to communicate my dissatisfaction without being disrespectful? You, you're not going to draw a line. You're you're not going to uh, certainly curse, literally draw curse, a line in the sand. Land. Uh, you're not going to curse me for for how you feel about the call I just made. But most most anything else, I ignore. And and most good umpires know to just to walk away from it. That s- sometimes players and coaches need to blow off a little steam. Sometimes they just need to be acknowledged without taking the forcible action of removal from the from the contest. Very good. Dick, did you have anything else? No, I just want to say that uh, if you want to reach us, reach us at uh, ryanlemonfoundation.com. That's R-Y-A-N, uh, Lemon, L-E-M-M-O-N, foundation.com. Uh, if you have any comments about our podcast, please let us know. You can reach me at dick at ryanlemonfoundation.com. And I want to thank Gary for being here tonight. This is uh, a first, I think, probably in any kind of radio situation or anything else where we've had an umpire on talking about what really, really happens behind the scenes. So thank you, Gary. I appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, Gary can be contacted again at GaryUmpenRef at AOL.com, G-A-R-Y-U-M-P-N-R-E-F at AOL.com, and he will answer any of your questions. Love to see some uh, young ex-players come come into umpiring. There you go. Or he'll help you evaluate a a missed ball and strike call. (laughs) There you go. Ha-ha. You can also reach us at Twitter at RLF16.
And our thanks to uh, Gary Gilman for tonight's guest. And on behalf of uh, myself, Guy Lemon, and my co-host, Dick Owens, remember, everyone, keep swinging for the fences.